My name is Sarah Vioso. In May of 2020, I was diagnosed with glioblastoma, the most aggressive type of brain cancer known. This is my spiritual journey of completely surrendering to God's will while healing my soul through His grace. Welcome to Surviving Fear. Episode 24, Training. I look forward to this time of year every four years. I am an Olympic junkie. I love, I absolutely love the Olympics. I guess I should say I look forward to it every two years, but I love especially the Summer Olympics because I love track and field. I love the story of running. You know, running speaks to me. Like that is because I run and I am not a very strong runner, I really appreciate those that are at the level of an Olympian and the amount of training that you have to go through to become an Olympic runner. And that's true for any part of the Olympics, gymnast, um, skiers, uh, wrestlers, which I think they took wrestling out this year, if I remember right. I mean, I just, I love some of the greatest stories have come out of me watching the Olympics. In fact, I remember one, like to me, it's, it's like so much training for such a short moment in time. When I, my last episode, I talked about the marathon that I had trained for. It was four months, four months of training. I covered 500 miles in four months running every other day with long runs on the weekend. So I was running three or four times a week and my mileage slowly but surely continued to um, to get longer and increased. But it took me four months to run one race that lasted four hours and 44 minutes. But that's beside the point. You take Olympians, they have been training most of their lives. I'm even like the gymnasts, which tend to be some of the younger competitive athletes. I mean, not this year. You've got Simone Biles, who's 24 years old. That is still at the top of her game. She is a phenom and such an encourage. She's so great to watch in the Olympics because I just love how she encourages her teammate. And I feel like, you know, we've grown up with her and watched her career blossom. And I just love the attitude she has and her smiles infectious. And I appreciate the talent it takes and the hard work and dedication it takes and the sacrifices it takes to reach her level of performance. And that's true of any Olympic or professional athlete that the dedication and the sacrifices that it takes to become one are, you know, immeasurable. And I just love the Olympics. Like one particular, one particular, um, visualization comes to my, comes to my mind. And I don't even know the athlete's name. I wish I did. And I, I wish I, I'd done better research and I could have told you, um, he, where he was from. I believe he was from England and his dad was his coach And he was running the 200 meter. The 200 meter should take you about 20 to 21 seconds. Like the Olympians run it around 21 seconds. 
So 21 seconds of a race and years and years of training to get it. Years and years of training to achieve that 21 seconds. And in this race, it was a final. And this athlete took off and was running strong and did. He was taking the turn. She run the 200. And if you're not familiar with track, the 200 meters is half a lap. And it's a staggered start, meaning everybody starts at a little bit different um, place, but it all ends up being 200 meters. And this guy took off. I mean, as soon as the gun fired, he was off, out of the blocks, flying down the track. And about 50 to 75 yards into it, or meters, sorry, into it, he pulls up lame because he tears his quad, his quadricep muscle, and he starts limping. He collapsed to the track. And he was determined because he had trained so long that instead of now his goal being to finish first, he just wanted to finish. And he pulls himself up off the track and he's limping with tears running down his face. And from the sidelines, you see his coach, who we learn is his dad, come running he jumped over the um, jumped over the fence or the barrier and ran out on the track. And there are track officials running out there, trying to you know trying to get him to let go of his son. And he shoves him away. And his son, who is this very tall man, puts his head on his dad's shoulder and just cries and puts his arm around him. And his dad puts his arm around his son. And helps him get to the finish line. Because all his son, in a split second, it went from, I want to win the race, to I just want to finish the race. And his dad fought off officials saying, you can't do this, you can't do this. And he kept shoving them away. And then they finally acquiesced and watched father and son cross that finish line together. Which, because his dad aided him, he was disqualified. But it didn't matter. I watched, I've watched hundreds and hundreds of races. I was a runner. I mean, I competitively, I didn't run anywhere near any of that level. I mean, (laughs) I love running. It's, it can be a very, romantic sport, for lack of a better word. It's a touching sport. It'll tug at your heartstrings. And of all the races I've watched, that one and that moment stuck out in my head because that man had trained most of his life for that 21 seconds that eluded him because of an injury. But if that doesn't happen, I don't have that memory of the greatest love from a father to a son to help him reach his goal. And the reason why I 
I, I talked about this is because, you know, the Olympics right now, they just finished it. It's called the Olympic trials. It's a trial. You're trying to get through it. You're trying to survive it. You're trying to get to the point where you're in the top three of your particular event so you can go to the Olympics and compete with the world's best. He trained so long and he got so much more out of it than a race, than winning a race. He got to see firsthand how much his father loved him. And we get to experience that too. And, you know, when you're training, it's not easy. I mean, these athletes, these athletes go through a lot of struggles. They go through a lot of injuries. And even the struggles that we go through, you don't have to be an Olympic athlete to experience this. You know, we go through trials. We go through struggles. And God trains us throughout our lives to be able to handle these. We're constantly in training, just like these Olympic athletes. We're training on how to handle struggles in a more godly way. You know, I the more challenges that are thrown at me, even before this, like before I got diagnosed, I did not handle struggles well. It was always, why me? And I mean, now I look back and I'm like, really? That was the struggle I was dealing with now compared to what I'm de- what I currently have in front of me. But when you are training, and that's what God has us, we're all in training. And he's training us to find the joy in no matter what that circumstance is. Whatever that struggle is, whether it's something joyous And we need to learn how to handle that with humility and grace and gratefulness. Or if the struggle is, I'm fearful that I'm not going to die or I'm going to die. And guess what? Spoiler alert, we're all going to die. Don't mean to go morbid on you, but it is. But when you can figure out that way to find the joy in the circumstance. It is so empowering. It's empowering and it gives you strength that, and it's not your strength, it's his strength. Because he doesn't abandon us. God does not abandon us. He always equips us with what we need. Because when we're loaded with fear and negativity and self-doubt, those don't come from God. We've talked about those. Those are Satan's weapons. That's what he fires at us. He uses our weakness as humans and knows where our cracks are. And that's what he throws in the self-doubt. And he tries to interject himself with those tools to separate us from God. He likes to poison our inner voices with his lies. And we have to train ourselves because we are human. We are. We are going to have doubts. But the more you train yourself to trust in God and his plan, 
the more peaceful your life becomes. And the easier it is to smile through the adversity. And how much clearer the voice of the Holy Spirit becomes. That little conscience that you have is the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, I'm with you. You are loved. You are loved no matter what. You're going to make bad decisions, but you are loved. You know, I know we're just coming out of this world of COVID and It's really unprecedented times. I mean, we say that it's unprecedented compared to what we've seen. You know, I think of our grandparents and our, you know, great grandparents and what they witnessed. I mean, the Great Depression and World War II. And I mean, they're, they've seen a lot. And if you're lucky enough to have your grandparents still here, oh my gosh, or your great grandparents, hug their necks, hug them and tell them how much you love them anytime you can. Um, I've been without my grandparents for a while now and... I miss them horribly. I ask them to pray on my behalf all the time. But I know, I know that they're watching over me. I know that they're looking out for me. Um, I know they've got a front row to my life. And I'm grateful for my cheering section in them. But um, they, we call it unprecedented times. They went through some hard stuff. And just remember that we, you need to dare to overcome the situation we are coming out of dare to overcome COVID and the social unrest and all the craziness that's going out over the world. Um, remember Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse four, and it says for the Lord, your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. And that goes back to the beginning when I said, you are not alone. You don't face these struggles and trials alone. You actually face them with him and he goes with you against our enemies, against our fears and gives you victory. And your victory isn't necessarily more years on earth. The victory is for your everlasting life waiting for you in heaven. Like I'm, I'm not blind to the fact that my struggles even though I'm doing phenomenal right now, I feel I feel like I always have that shadow named glioblastoma behind me. That shadow that's like the grim reaper, according to everybody else. I don't see it that way, but it is. I do have a shadow that follows me. But I also have God's army with me. That feels pretty safe. That even if that shadow of glioblastoma at some point conquers my earthly body. It will never conquer my soul. Just like your struggle, whatever it may be. It may claim your earthly body, but it won't claim your soul as long as you invite God to be a part of your everyday life and trust in Him. You know, I... I had a lot of struggles in the beginning of my, tra- of my, my, uh, I want to say diagnosis, but in the beginning of my diagnosis, in the beginning of my treatment, I had quite a bit of struggles and I've talked about my blood counts. They were a roller coaster. It was up and down. I always like 
walked the borderline and I'm telling my oncologist, okay, I'm right at the borderline. Let's do it again. Let's do the chemo again. I want to do as much as I possibly can for my body to fight, but I want it to heal. I mean, I, there was one time that I remember, I think it was after like the second or third round and I was in a bad place. I mean, it, treatment really wreaks havoc on your, on, on your, not just your physical body, but the mental body and letting go of what you were once capable of doing. And you can't because you have to almost poison yourself to kill the bad cells. And I'm an active person and it's really hard to let go of, you know, to let go of that role of taking care of my family and so, you know, and focusing on myself. I mean, it all happened right around the time my boys started back to school. Well, I'll put school in quotes, but it happened around that time. And I remember looking at my kids and I'm going, well, is this going to be the last first day of school that I get to be a part of? And then it was this awful, you know, it was this, you know, I was disappointed that my body couldn't handle what I wanted it to handle. It was disappointing that, you know, I'm sitting there thinking that is this going to be the last time I get to do a first day of school with my kids. And then I got disappointed in myself because I'm not trusting in his plan. And then I'm just, I'm, you know, dis- and I'm disappointed that I didn't choose to see the positive that I'm going in the negative. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a horrible merry-go-round to be on, you know, because I'm like, I'm not trusting in my plan in his plan. I'm trying to trust in mine, which is failing because mine my plan sucks compared to his, to be honest with you. And I just had to train myself and tell myself, I am not in control. It's like, I'm, I am not in control. And that's the training that he purposes, that he puts us through on purpose. He trains us over and over again on, okay, here's a little, here's a trial. And I'm not saying God's throwing trials at us. It's part of life. You're going to have trials in front of you, but it gives you more practice on being able to have a positive attitude and to learn to trust in God when you are facing the hard times and to learn to be thankful when you've got amazing things happening in your life. It's not easy, but he's constantly giving us practice. He's constantly giving us that opportunity to overcome and to rise above. I want you to think about that the next time you've got something in your face that you're like, how am I ever going to do it? Because you aren't alone. You're never alone. God trains you with his love and he walks that with you. So thank you for listening again. I'm Sarah Vioso, and I'll see you at the next episode of Surviving Fear. Surviving Fear is made possible by the efforts of our executive producer, JT Henderson, writer and director, Sarah Vioso, producer and editor, Kristen Walker, artistic creator, Laura Ritchie, graphic editor, Linda Lee, and musical artist and composer, Adam Vioso.